Welcome to more details, please, with your hosts, Emmanuel and Angela Williams, where we dive deeper into conversations with visionary entrepreneurs to discover what it takes to turn passion into purpose. Listen to real-world stories from self-starters and trailblazers and discover strategies and innovations shaping a greener future. Whether you are a seasoned business person or just starting out, let this be your go-to resource for inspiration and actionable tips for success. Join us now as we create a brighter, greener future together. Welcome to More Details, Please, broadcasting live in the Phoenix Business Radio X studio in Tempe, Arizona, where we help entrepreneurs turn their passion into purpose. We're your hosts, Angela. And Emmanuel. And today, we're in the studio with Chris Rowe, who's an author, a producer, and definitely an entrepreneur that knows what he wants out of life, and he has made it happen in more ways than one. So, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. Yes, Chris, we're excited that you're here. And being an entrepreneur, when I learned that you are from Iowa, my first thoughts were, really? Tell me more about Chris's beginnings, especially being from Iowa. (laughs) Well, this is another thing too, Chris, is that this show is about entrepreneurs. We love talking to entrepreneurs and it's about turning your passion into purpose. And we know passion is something that you enjoy, you love doing, and purpose is bringing that passion to something that serves a higher good and to do some good in the world. So we're really, really excited to have you on, and we really love to hear the nuggets of wisdom that you can share to help others. Well, it's very good to be on. I no longer live in Iowa, left there a long time ago, but I will say that I don't regret for a moment being from Iowa. Um, It was a good place to get, I think, a good upbringing and I think some good morals. And to be honest with you, much of the person that I am today, the way I run my business, probably is because I came from Iowa. If I had been born in the big city, uh, I probably would have a very different uh, mindset on things. But um, I've been a talent manager for 26 years, and it was—it's uh, a very interesting story, and I'll—I'll I'll really condense it down. But basically, I started off in journalism, and I started writing professionally right before I turned 16 years old. And I was writing for uh, local papers, and it kind of grew and grew and grew. And then out of school, I ended up writing as a freelance for some magazines, um, and. Through that, I ended up meeting actors because I was predominantly doing interviews with uh, film and TV actors at the time. One day I had met this actor and we, we became friends and I was staying with him at his home in Malibu and he hadn't worked for a while. I just said to him one day that I said, look, I don't understand why you're not working You've done these iconic projects. You've worked with great directors like Kubrick and Kazan and great producers. I said, I I don't really understand. And he gave me this whole kind of (laughs) bunch of Hollywood politics that I didn't understand, having no clue what he was talking about. But um, up to that point, I was, you know, 21, 22 years old. Um, Anytime someone had told me I couldn't do something, I always pushed forward and found out a way to do it. So 
when I said to him, I said, my gosh, I said, I could find you work. He looked at me and he goes, look, kid, he goes, you live in the middle of a, well, I won't say the word, but you, <laughs> you live in the middle of a cornfield in Iowa. You can't do anything. You got to be in LA or New York. And that's what tipped it for me. Cause I was like, excuse me. I didn't like anyone telling me that I couldn't do something because up to that point, I've been told so many times I couldn't do things because I lived in Iowa. It kind of made me angry. So that afternoon, I had a couple of meetings in uh, Beverly Hills, Burbank, and Hollywood. And so as I went over the Coldwater Canyon and I got to Ventura, I turned right, for those of you who know what I'm talking about. And there across the street from what used to be the Sportsman's Lodge was a Sprint store. And I had Sprint for my phone carrier. And I looked at the time and I was early and I thought, okay, I'm going to stop off. And I just kind of spontaneously stopped off. I went in, I asked the guy behind the counter if I could get rid of my Iowa number and switch to a California number. And he said I could. And I said, great, let's do it. Now, this was all very spontaneous. This was nothing thought out. Got my phone, went to Burbank, did my meeting back over into Hollywood. And I was early again because on time means early. And I got to the corner of Sunset and Vine. And there on the corner, there used to be a Borders bookstore. And I found a parking spot. It was just like in the movies. There was an empty spot there. It never <laughs> Waiting <happens>. for you. <laughs> Waiting for me. It had my name on it, reserved for Chris Rowe, who doesn't know what he's doing. And I pulled in. I went over. I went in. I asked for books on management. The lady helped me. I bought five books. Cost about $300. Did my meeting. And on my way back, to Malibu that evening, I stopped off at a, a mailbox, etc. And I went in, I knew the mailbox, etc. because the friend of mine used the same mailbox. And I went in and I asked them if I had to live there in order to have a mailbox. And they said, no, we'll ship to you anywhere in the world. And I said, sign me up. And I gave him my card. Went back to his place that evening. He asked how the day was. I said, it was fabulous. I said, none of this. Went to the airport that night, flew in a storm on a red-eye flight back to Iowa in the middle of a blizzard, and I proceeded to spend the next five months reading those books. Now, keep in mind, this was right before internet. This was a couple years before internet had even really started to do anything. And then I picked up the phone and I started making phone calls, blind phone calls. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. All I know is I read these books I had the guts and and I had the enthusiasm and the motivation that I was going to do it. And I just started picking up the phone and calling. Hey, Chris, do you remember just one of those books that you were reading? I do. It was called The Hollywood Creative Directory. I still have it to Ah, this day. Okay. Uh, And uh, it's very outdated. (laughs) None of the numbers probably work anymore. (laughs) But it it was called The Hollywood Creative Directory. And it was kind of the go-to book that people used in, in the industry at that time if they were looking for a production company or a casting office. And so I spent, you know, four or five months just I knew his resume, so I had already kind of dissected it because I had interviewed him months earlier. So I knew the people he'd worked with, the directors he'd worked with, the producers he'd worked with. So I was doing just cross-referencing, seeing who was alive, seeing who was a producer, who was an actor, et cetera. And I was about ready to throw in the towel because I was like, boy, this is hard work. No one's calling me. These people in L.A. and New York are so rude and certainly not Iowa. And then, <laughs> then one day... 
the, the phone rings and this friend of mine goes, hey, there's this new show on TV called Dark Skies. And it stars J.T. Walsh. And, and, and I think Gary would be right for this. And I said, oh, okay. So I took down the number of the gentleman, uh, the producer, and I picked up the phone and I called and I said, hi, this is Chris Rowe. Could I speak to Bryce Zabel, please? And I hear this, uh, please hold. Not as rude as some of the other please holds I, I'd had previously to that. Right. And this man answers the phone and he just goes, Bryce Zabel. And I panicked because it was the first time the person that I had actually called for actually picked up the phone. And so it startled me. And suddenly it was, what do I say? What do I do? It's now or never. That's right. And I just said, hi, Mr. Zabel. My name is Chris Rowe. And I represent Gary Lockwood. I said, are you familiar with who Mr. Lockwood is? And he said, from 2001 A Space Odyssey? And I went, yes. He goes, it's my favorite movie of all time. Ah. And well, that's really <laughs> good to hear. I said, Mr. Lockwood is a really big fan of your show, <laughs> which was totally not the truth. But, um, <laughs> do what you got to do to get the job done. And um, <laughs> I said, uh, I, I think it'd be a great idea to get him on the show because it was this kind of sci-fi conspiracy theory show. And he said, oh, my gosh. He goes, I, I don't know what to say. But he goes, I don't know what's coming up in the schedule. But he goes, let me take down your name and number. And he goes, if something comes up, I'll give you a call. I said, hey, thanks. That's all I can ask out of you. That's right. Hung up the phone. And I just felt in my gut I had said something wrong. I had done something wrong. And I was just like, you know, I, I just felt it. And I walked away and I thought, you know, maybe this isn't for me. I don't know. Maybe this is harder than I thought. And about one week later, the phone rings and it's a casting office here in Los Angeles. And they said, hi, we understand you spoke to our executive producer about one of your clients. Uh, and I said, yes. And they said, uh, well, we got a part. We think you might be right. Wait, wait, wait. Like hold on. You said, yes. Like, tell me more or can I believe this? <laughs> it, was, it was a combination of both. <laughs> uh, and, and so I said, uh, okay. And I took down all the information and I called him and I told him. And his first response was to me, I've never forgotten it. He goes, this isn't a student film, is it? And I went, oh, no, no, this is TV. This is legitimate television. And I told him the cast and I told him the premise of it. And he had some hesitation about it, but he said, uh, okay. I'll go in. And this is when, you know, the schedule was far out. So this was like a week later. Right. And so I sent him the sides, which would be the, the, his material in the script. And um, he called me and he goes, you know, this isn't bad. This is really good. This is a great historic character. Earl Warren of the uh, JFK um, uh, investigation. And I said, uh, yeah, of course. I had no clue. And so, about a week later, he went in and he met with them and he called me afterwards and he said, look, kid, he goes, they were all a bunch of kids like you. He goes, they just wanted to talk about Star Trek and 2001 A Space Odyssey. He goes, that's not going to go anywhere. And I said, well, you don't know that. And he goes, yeah, I do. He goes, I've been in a hundred of those rooms. He goes, look, he goes, my days in this town are over with. He goes, I'm fine with it. He goes, don't worry about it. And I was like, uh, 
I was pissed. I'll say that. Uh, I, you know, because I was like, you know, come on, you don't have to be so negative about it. You don't know. Yep. That's that power of positivity. Absolutely. And so I'll never forget. He goes, well, look, kid, I'm going to go have uh, lunch with my daughter at Cheesecake Factory. He goes, I'll talk to you later. And I said, yeah, you do that. And I, a few expletives under my breath. As I hung up the phone. And I thought to myself, I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm kind of hungry. I'm going to go make a sandwich. So I went to go make a sandwich. And the phone rings about 15 minutes later. And it's this casting office. And they said, your client was just in to, to see our team. And we really liked him. And we'd love to have him. And I didn't know what to say again. I was like, okay. <laughs> and so, and so I, I, I took down everything. Cause remember, this is the first, it's the first time I've ever now done anything like this ever. And I took down all the information and I, I, I said, I'll call you right back. Let me try to get Mr. Lockwood on the phone. And I picked up the phone and I called him. And by then he was like, uh, yeah, kid. He goes, I'm eating avocado rolls with my daughter. And what's up? <laughs> True. And I, I and I told him, and there was this long pause, and he said, you're not joking with me, are you? He didn't use that word. It was a non-word. Yes, word. yes. And, and I said, no. He goes, look, you, you don't do that with an actor ever. And I said, no, I'm being serious with you. This is what they've said. And long story short, we went back and forth. I got him the money he wanted. He ended up filming it. and he called me after he finished filming it. And he goes, look, he goes, I don't know how this happened. He goes, you live in the middle of a cornfield in Iowa, 2000 miles away. And my own agent lives 20 minutes from me. And I haven't heard from him in six months, but I can't do any worse with you. So if you want to keep trying to do it, (laughs) do it. And I just thought about it. I mean, I didn't want to do it for a career. I did it because he told me I couldn't do it. So I wanted to just prove that I could do it. And then I wanted to go about my life doing journalism, I guess. And I said, well, you know, I'll think about it. And I had to really think long and hard. And the night that it aired, which was, I believe, end of January of 1996, I saw his name come across the screen, guest star and his name. Oh my gosh, you were so proud. You had to be. And I went, I did that. (laughs) I did that. And at that moment, that's when everything shifted in my life. There was this big shift. Then management became kind of what I started to focus on. And now, 26 years later, I have Oscar, Globe, Emmy, Grammy, Tony, award-winning artists and nominees. Oh, my gosh. That is so fantastic. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee. And a lot of other people with a lot of uh, other awards. But if you had told me at that time that that was going to happen, I would have absolutely said, absolutely, I believe I can do it. And the moral of the story is don't accept no for an answer because it doesn't take much to knock someone down. Yes. It really doesn't. It takes someone just basically saying, look, you know, you live in Iowa, you can't do this. It's you're going to have to travel. You can't you don't have the contacts. You Very little to knock down your self-esteem just enough. And I didn't let that happen. Uh, In fact, I refuse to let that happen. And I still do to this day. And so really, you can never let someone tell you you can't do something. Sometimes things are impossible. They just are. But I think in order for you to discover that they're impossible, you have to be the one to put 
in the time and then discover that it's not going to happen. But don't let someone else tell you that it's not because you're doing yourself a great um, disservice. But, you know, Chris, that, that was a great story. Great story. And I think it needs to be told. And I think millions and millions of people need to hear it. And what I got out of it is that there is hidden potential in every last one of us. And in your particular case, it had reached the tipping point in that that guy that challenged you brought it out. And you was able to have the courage and the guts to step into the unknown. And not only would you, did you have the courage and the guts to step into the unknown, but you became comfortable with being uncomfortable. And you were able to be comfortable with being uncomfortable long enough that you were able to attract and manifest your opportunity. You got, you was, it was there, you took advantage of it, and the rest is history. And so that's what I love about entrepreneurship. These are the stories and these are the, the barriers and the hurdles and it's a metaphor for life. And I think everybody, all people in all areas of life needs to hear these stories and need to understand that these are nuggets of wisdom that they can take with them in their lives, teach it to their children, and make the world a better place. So thank you for that, that story. You're yeah, so welcome. That, that, that's exciting. What I heard is... Chris showed his creative side. Yeah, he he read five books. He figured it out. He made a few phone calls, did his homework. And Chris, every time you had to use those explicitives, okay, whatever those words were that you use, that was you taking some space, creating some space to allow that creativity to come out. And then you used your positive personality even when the person you were helping didn't carry that same positive personality with him to dinner. Not even at dinner. <laughs> I mean, that, that was shortly after you met, but you did. And because of that, all these years later, it's, it's, this is what we have. And what's interesting, how do we come here together today? We came here together today because one of your clients, the legendary Martha Reeves, is a common friend, and that's how we got here. But so I would say the power of a positive personality has rolled over multiple times. So Chris, I want you to tell us a little bit about the project right now, because I heard you earlier about the star on Hollywood. Tell us a little bit about the project that you're working right now with your client, the legendary Martha Reeves. Well, first of all, I just have to say, if, if when I was a little boy, 12 years old, Living in Iowa, not a lot of colored people, let me tell you. But I was a little boy and I saw Motown 25. I remembered, I mean, I knew who Stevie Wonder was because my mother schooled me well in music. But I saw Smokey Robinson perform, then Stevie Wonder perform. The Temptations and Tops came out and performed. And then later on, this woman comes into the picture and she, she comes out and she starts singing Heat Wave. And she sings for about 25 seconds and then the stage goes black. And that, that's it. She only sang for 25 seconds. And then all of a sudden, Mary Wells pops up and she sings for 25 seconds and then she goes away. And I was floored by this because I was like, God, I guess they didn't have a lot of material. I didn't, you know, <laughs> I was 12, 13 years old. I didn't know what to think. All I know uh, is I liked what I saw. 
And I, I liked what I heard. So I went, I started going up to the music store and looking. I was writing down the names of all these people as they mentioned them. And I started just blindly ordering vinyl. And that's how I discovered Martha Reeves and really who she was. And then years later, I was pretty pissed that Motown only allowed her to sing one song and not even one full song, just like a, you know, a quarter of a song. Because when you look at the body of work, you go, well, there's dancing in the street, there's heat wave, there's nowhere to run, there's Jimmy Mac, there's quicksand, I'm ready for love. That's six songs right there. And I'm thinking, well, these were all top 10, top 12 hits. Why didn't she get a chance? So it bugged me all those years. So fast forward, I get a chance to meet Martha and work with her. And never would I have thought that I that I would be working with the legendary Martha Reeves. I just, I really, to me, that was like untouchable yeah. because Motown, everything Motown to me seemed untouchable and like, you know, gold and platinum. <laughs> and so being Martha's manager is really, you know, kind of a dream come true. And I still pinch myself from time to time. Um, look, she's a rock and roll hall of fame inductee, yes. you know, and not many can say that. And now the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, in my opinion, uh, their whole process on how they select people is pretty much a joke. I mean, there's people who should have been in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame years ago and they're not in there. And then there's people who are in there that you wonder why. Like Dionne Warwick isn't in there. Oh. Patti LaBelle isn't in there. I mean, there's some, some really heavy hitters not in there. So Martha, fortunately, got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at a time when... Um, they had some sense uh, and, and they hadn't been commercialized and bought out. But anyway, that's another whole story. But so right now we're working on this, this star. So Martha Reeves in 2021 was selected to receive her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Now, most people think that when you get a, selected for a star, First of all, you just don't get selected. Someone has to kind of nominate you and a former rep of hers nominated her for it and or sponsored her and then really filled out the application. And then you go before a committee and the Hollywood Chamber meets every June. And so Martha was selected in June of uh, 2021 to be part of the class of 2022. So I have done two previous star ceremonies getting clients their stars. In fact, I have plaques right behind I me. I saw right there. those. And it's a lot of work. And there's a lot of preparation, a lot of planning. And when you think it's going to be easy, it's not. I promise you, it's not easy. Unless someone's just going to walk in and flip the bill for it, it's not. Because the Hollywood star isn't free. Oh. And most people think it is. Most people think it's something that's awarded to you, and it's not. If you have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, it's because somebody has stepped up and sponsored you and they've raised the money. And that money has come from fans, a studio, a record company, whatever. But that's how it happens. Right. So she got selected to be part of the class of 2022, but pretty much spent an entire year not doing any fundraising, not doing anything. And the fundraising is key because if you, if you think that you're just going to suddenly get the money, again, unless someone's just going to write a check, it doesn't happen that way. So the price of the star goes up constantly. 
When I got my first client, his star in 2012, it was $20,000 for the chunk of ground. I got my second client, his star in 2017, it was 30,000. And now Martha's is 55,000. Wow. So because a year was wasted on fundraising, you have basically two years to get a date set for your star because you cannot get a date until you pay for the star. That's when they write it in. And then from there, you can promote it and it's advertised. This is the date that the star will be unveiled. So June of 2023 is just right around the corner. Yes, it and is. And so you basically have two years to get your star. And if you don't, you do risk losing it. Now, you can go before the Hollywood Chamber Board and ask for more time, and you can do those things, but who wants to take the risk, right? right. Coming on very late in the game for me, uh, I suddenly spent the first four months doing a lot of cleanup, as you have to do. It's like, you know, presidency, you come in and you got to clean up what the previous administration did. Mm -hmm. And so I had to do a lot of cleanup and then kind of strategize. Mm -hmm. And so now um, the fundraising has started and it really went into full gear about three and a half weeks ago. And um, I'm very, very happy with the progress that we've had so far. The problem is, is if we had lots of time, this would be a walk in the park. Yes. But we don't have lots of time. It's the most money that I've ever, ever had to raise in the least amount of time. So the last ceremony that I did, the star cost 30. This is 55. It's almost double. So you not only have this chunk of concrete star, but then you've got the reception and all the stuff that goes with that. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking at doing about twenty-five to 30000 for that. Now, let me tell you, if you come from Iowa and you say that, people look at you and go, oh, my God, that's so Hollywood lavish. Yes. Trust me, it's not. Um, it gets you a small room where you can cater for about 50 to 75 people, and that's about it. So it's not really to throw a lavish party. It's just to, to throw a, a very decent party. And also we have to take care of transport out, hotel out, and all of the, the security and all the things that come with it because the Hollywood Chamber, you know, they don't provide those things. And so the overall price tag that we're trying to raise ultimately is about 80000 But right now my first concern is 55000 which covers the price of the star. I'm happy to say that we're over halfway there, which awesome. is great. That is and great I'm news. I'm also really happy to say that none of this would have been possible if it were not for the really good people of Detroit and around the country and the world who sent in $5, $10, $20 donations, beautiful notes saying, your music is the songbook of my childhood and et cetera, or I met you on the corner or backstage at such and such. And those are the beautiful notes that we've been getting from people. And so that's where we are. I just flew back from Detroit over the weekend where we had an, a nice intimate fundraiser in Dearborn and it was, it was successful and we had a great time and Martha had a great time. But it's important to remember it's not Martha raising the money. That's right. That's right. 
and, and let me let me just say this. Um, Emmanuel and I, over the last two weeks, had an opportunity to spend some time with Martha. And it is clear she's deserving. Let's, let's just be, just be clear about that. But more so than anything, it represents what came out of Detroit. And the fact that she's still there. I mean, how Emmanuel originally met Martha is her work on the city council. So we know that she is looking out for everybody and constantly contributing to others. So this star is not just for her. It is representing the city of Detroit and everything else that she's done as well. And, so I absolutely hear and, you on and, that. And, and then another thing I would like to add to, to the conversation is that Martha's um, ability through music to inspire the world. We've been all over the world. We've been to Turkey. We've been to Italy. And when you hear her words, when you hear those songs that she sang many, many years ago, it brings joy to people. Because in the world that we're living in, with all of the negativity, when people hear that music, it brings back that joy. And that's something that is going to live for eternity. And so I am honored to be able to be Martha's friend. And I'm honored that she has had enough wisdom and love for me to help our business in detail expert going through an economy when the economy was on a downturn, her ability to continue to allow us to come on her shows created the revenue that we needed to get to the next phase. Yeah. And we're appreciative. So sorry, we had to just jump in and let you know that. (laughs) You know, the beautiful thing is there's so many people who know her for her music, of course, but I've been with her when people have walked up to her and they didn't really know her music well. They knew who she was, but they walked up and said, hey, thanks for fighting for livable conditions for my parents. And thanks for this and thanks for that. And if there's a whole nother level to Martha's contribution. So you're actually very correct. To me, this star isn't really about Martha, but it's about the city of Detroit, she could have left. She could have gone away and she she could be living in California where most of the Motowners live, the people of that time period uh, moved to. And she didn't. And she she went back to Detroit and she settled in and she was a, a community leader. But, you know, then there's Motown and Motown is forever. Motown is embedded in the fabric of our society all across the world. As you said, I don't care where you go in the world. I hear Motown music playing. I was in Ireland in September, and I remember I walked into the hotel to check in, and the Four Tops were playing. I was in England just two weeks ago, and I walked in, and Martha's music was playing when I walked into a to a, to a lounge. So it's it's everywhere. It doesn't make any difference where you go. So it's really an honor for the city of Detroit. It's another honor for, for Motown. And, and then of course for Martha and um, I'm really pleased to be doing it. And I think it's, it's a, it's a great honor that's deserved. It's unfortunate that you have to pay for it, but you know, that's just the way it goes. We can gripe about that until the lights go down, but that's not going to do anything. If you want to get someone who's deserving of it, that honor, then you've got to work for it. And that's what we're doing now. 
which is fantastic. So please um, share with our audience how they can contribute to this worthy cause. I mean, this star, again, it represents so much more, but Martha is definitely deserving of it. Well, we 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 have we have a, a, a couple of different things that you can do. So again, as I said, we're kind of up against the wall on time right now. So the next two weeks really matter. The next week really matters a lot. Uh, and anyone wanting information and wants to donate, they can go to uh, MarthaReeves.net. There will be links where you can link and make a donation or you can send in a check if you wish. Um, and then again, our biggest concern is just getting the star paid for. There will be other fundraisers down the road to raise the, the rest of the money that we have to have for all the other things. But the only thing that I'm particularly concerned with at this moment is just the 55,000 for the star. And I believe if we get just a little more in, we're going to get one or two of these sponsors that go, okay, well, you've worked and bled enough. <laughs> Here, here's the extra $10,000 that you need. But that's what it's going to take. Everyone's just kind of sitting back, calling me going, okay, how much are you today? How much are you today? Someone's going to come in and pick up that last, you know, 10,000. That's usually what always happens, but they want to see everyone else send in their donations first. And so, as I said, in, in several interviews, a couple of uh, less Starbucks per week isn't going to hurt anyone. <laughs> yeah. I've had a lot of donations come in that are 10, $15 donations. I've got a lot that have been 50 and a hundred, but to do without a, a, a a latte or two throughout the week or three or four. I'm doing without a lot of them right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, some water. It, it, it isn't, isn't going to hurt. <laughs> and so if you feel, if, if you think that you, you, you want to do it, then do it. What's the last day, Chris? So for this, the, the first round, we'll, we'll call the 55,000 the first round. When, when is the last day that our listeners um, can say they can hit that website and they can um, send in money or, Cash App or whatever methods are available. Is, is there a, a last day for this first round? I know there will it, it will continue all the yeah, way. Yeah, there, there really summer. isn't a last day. Technically, we had kind of the last day being mid-May, but because there's very few spots left in 2024, we've got to get this wrapped up incredibly fast. I got it. Okay. So, uh, I, I'm thinking before the end of this month. Uh, okay. So we basically got about 10 days before uh, I think we, we, we've we got to have things finished by then because I don't want Martha getting this in 2025. That's right. She She's deserving and she's deserving of getting it now. Exactly. So that's where we are. And I can truthfully say that when that day comes, and it will. It's not a matter of if. It it will happen. Um, it will be not just Martha's star, but it will be everyone's star because so many people participated in making that a reality for her. And I know she is incredibly moved and, and appreciative over it. And, you know, look, we've got a lot of people out there, a lot of haters and a lot of conspiracy theorists out there that, you know, want to they have nothing better to do than to make up a bunch of BS. You know, people saying, oh, well, she has a net worth of five million. No, she doesn't have a net worth of five million, nor do most of the golden age of Motown stars who were from that time period. No one got their residuals proper, uh, properly. No one, uh, uh, you know, look, Diana Ross made it out of there. Stevie Wonder made it out of there. Those guys are worth a lot of money. Um, but, you know, don't believe everything you read. 
you know, we're in 2023 and we're still saying that. Don't believe everything you read. So I look past those kinds of people because they'll be negative no matter what. That's right. No matter what, they'll always find a way to be negative about something. But if people really want to do something that I think is a, a nice compliment to the community and to a local legend, a living legend, hey, every dollar counts. Five or ten dollars goes a long way. I feel like I'm out on the political, <laughs> route, you know, trying to raise money for a campaign, but it's really I'm really not. But it's 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 now I understand those words more than anything about every dollar counts and every little bit helps because it's really the truth. So, do you have a LinkedIn site where we can go to LinkedIn and get information? Yeah, Chris, and they want to learn more about you. Your well, entrepreneur I mean, and, journey and, 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 has been definitely inspiring. In, in terms of in terms of Martha, there isn't a LinkedIn site. There is her website, which okay. is MarthaReeves.net. They can go there and they can click and read and all of that kind of stuff. In terms of me and my management company, ChrisRowManagement.com, 26 years doing this and still going strong. I've lost a lot of hair, but that's okay. <laughs> I got a good shaped head. It works. And if you could have ever have told me 26 years ago, I was this, you know, poor young kid, man at the time that I would be doing this. Uh, I, I, I laugh and joke and say, yeah, sure. But it is, uh, uh, I've been very, very uh, lucky and I've worked hard for it. I mean, no one gave it to me, but um, it, it's been a really beautiful life and, and getting to continue this journey and work with people like Martha and um, so many other great clients that I have. Uh, I'm happy to be around and doing it. And every year, I will say this, every time I do one of these, I say, I'm never doing this again. (laughs) This is is so hard. I am never doing this again. And so after the second one, I said, that's it. I'm done. I will never do this again. And I'm telling people who know me well, you know me when I say I'm not going to do something. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, there's Martha. And I saw that she needed the help. And people started to reach out to me. And I just went. I'm not doing it after this one. Now, this is the third and final. I'm not doing it again because this has been the hardest one so far and it's just started. But I, I can't think of a person who's more deserving of it. And I love her dearly. We've become really good friends. We talk every day. And yeah, I, I and I get to meet great people like yourself and, and what you do in the show. It serves a great purpose. And so thank you for having me on. Well, well, well Chris, that's that's the thing I love about this show. You know, we talk about turning passion into purpose and listening to your journey. You know, your magic is that you believe in your clients more than they believe in themselves. And you have the love for them to be able to fight for them to get them to where they have to go. And it's all based on love. And I always say, it's not what you do. It's how you do what you do and what flows into what you do to serve a greater purpose. And so a lot of the instances of of these actors that was trying to get over those barriers, they was believing in you more than they was believing in themselves. And that was the magic. So keep up the good work. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, I mean, at this point, I only have my eyebrows to lose. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we got makeup for that. Don't worry. (laughs) Exactly. So that's why I'm saying it's okay. So uh, look, I'll just keep doing it because um, I I really do believe this more than anything. Uh, Being an entertainer, and I've 
broaden my my horizons to not just actors, but but uh, you know directors and musicians and all of that. But if you're going to be uh, in this business, you really have to believe in your clients, and you have to you have to believe in them more than they believe in themselves sometimes. And you have to be there pushing. There's a lot of times, I mean, I should have certificates on the wall saying I'm a registered therapist because I can tell you, I've talked many actors off the Hollywood sign at two o'clock in the morning, you know, and, and you just have to, you just have to, you just have to keep going back and saying, no, hang in there, hang in there. I just had a client not too long ago. She was just about ready to throw in the towel. And I kept saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just hold on, just hold on. And then all of a sudden, oh. booked a great job. And then another, uh, last week, she just booked another great job. And it's like, that's what it's about. It's like work makes work. But there's also a rhythm that you have to be on. It's like finding the right frequency. And once you find that frequency, it all comes together. There's two things you have to have in your life. And it can be for the entertainment business. It can be for any anything that you do. Preparation and opportunity. Preparation is up to you. It is up to you to learn the different languages, go to school, learn the skills, read, soak up as much knowledge as you possibly can about what it is that interests you or about what it is that you want to do for your life. Opportunity is not up for you, but I promise you, when opportunity knocks, if you are not properly prepared, it will pass you by and sometimes it never comes back. Sometimes you never get another opportunity like that again. I, I, I saw an interview the other day with Tina Turner and she had, she had received an award. This was back 15, 20 years ago. And she said that when she decided to come back and become the, the ferocious, strong woman that she is, she said when she got her award, she chose to do it alcohol-free, and drug-free, and she wanted nothing to influence her way of thinking, anything that could affect her work. And look look at what happened to her. Look what happened from 1983 or 84 to now. I mean, what she's done and what she's achieved. And you just, you just have to be prepared. I sit back and I watch so many people where opportunity knocks and they're not ready and it passes them by. And then they always want to put blame on someone else, but the point is, is they weren't prepared. And when it knocked and they weren't ready, it's easier to blame someone else than themselves. So just soak up as much knowledge as you can. I don't care what people decide to do for a living. You decide to be a rocket scientist. You decide to be an author. You decide to be a janitor. It doesn't make any difference, but you put in the hard work. You do your work perfectly every single day. I promise it'll make you feel better. You may not always sit back and like what you do, but as long as you do it well, I think that you sleep better at night knowing that you've done it well. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes you do the same thing and it's monotonous and it's repetitious, but at a certain point in your life, you look back and you go, well, I may not have made it to this level, but I lived a good life and I, I was a good a provider for my family and I've worked hard. I would much rather have that path than to look yeah. back at my life and go, miss that opportunity. I was lazy. I was drunk all the time. I was high. I didn't do this because, you know, living with regret is the worst thing that you can live with. 
Oh, yeah. Regret is like cancer. It will eat you up. Love your life and enjoy your family and work really hard. And I promise uh, at the end of your life, uh, you'll look back at it and you'll feel a whole lot better. And when you're in those uh, twilight years and you're you're enjoying your retirement, hopefully, you just rest better and you enjoy your life knowing better that you did that. Yes. Anyway, that's enough for me. Oh, Who, wow. No that, 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 that was that, more than enough. That was more than enough. Great job. Great job, Chris. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. So you've been listening to the Phoenix Business Radio at Business Radio X. This podcast is brought to you by Detail Experts, the mobile steam cleaning company that saves the planet one franchise at a time. Until next time, we're Angela. Emmanuel. We're Angela and Emmanuel Williams. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to More Details, Please. Presented by Emmanuel and Angela Williams from Detail Experts the mobile steam cleaning company dedicated to protecting the planet. Be sure to subscribe to more details, please, on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Facebook at Detail Experts and visit DetailExperts.net. That's D-E-T-A-I-L-X-P-E-R-T-S dot net. We hope you've gained some valuable insights from our conversations today. Stay driven by curiosity, and we'll bring you more details next time.